your farm and your future matter to us. Welcome to Dairy Stream, a podcast focusing on opportunities and challenges impacting the future of dairy. This podcast is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations fighting for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Joanna Guza. We are diving into our third topic in the Workable Workforce podcast series. The first two episodes, we focused on recruiting, onboarding, retention, and engagement. We know the listeners of Dairy Stream value their workforce and want to take their farm to the next level. And we need to make sure that everyone on the farm is on board and working together to improve. This episode is going to focus in on coaching and counseling. Our guest and experts today is Michelle Gubzer. She is currently the Chief Talent Officer at ProVision Partners Cooperative in Marshfield, Wisconsin, and has over 20 years of experience in human resources and leadership. In her role, she leads the cooperative's talent strategies and is responsible for creating and building high-performing teams. We also have Christine Bender. She's the herd manager and partner at her family's dairy farm, McFarlandale Dairy, located in Watertown, Wisconsin. McFarlandale Dairy is currently home to 1,100 cows and they employ 15 full-time employees. Christine oversees the health of all their animals at the farm and manages all of those 15 employees. This first part of our episode is going to focus in on that coaching and counseling. And then the second part, we're going to dive into some of those scenarios that you've probably experienced on your farm and advice on how to handle them. So to get started with this first part, Michelle, can you just give an overview of what is coaching and counseling? Coaching and counseling really is just communicating in a way that you're helping employees succeed um, by helping them grow and develop their skills. It includes communicating expectations, providing just consistent feedback, reinforcing positive behavior and good performance, and then also taking steps to correct bad behavior and poor performance as well. In my experience, the best coaches, whether it's in the workplace or sports or any other area, are really coaches and supervisors who help people on their teams see their potential, who really take steps to motivate, inspire, and encourage their employees to live up to that potential. I was initially putting this outline together. I was like, coaching and counseling, they're the same thing. Are they the same thing, Michelle? I think those terms are used interchangeably, but I think coaching really focuses more on just the reinforcement of some of those positive behaviors and the motivation and inspiration. Counseling, in my opinion, really is used more when discussing addressing poor performance and that bad behavior. But again, I see them used interchangeably. And (laughs) I think, you know, that's pretty common to use them interchangeably as well. Right. But I think it's important that we're recognizing the good and the bad. We're glad to have Christine with us having that farming background to share. How do you coach your employees on your farm? You talked a little bit about coaching versus counseling. We talk a lot about being a leader on our team. 
So I try to lead by example, set clear expectations, starting really in the interview process, telling them about our farm, our family, our culture, and what's really important to us. And if they're going to be able to meet those expectations, even before they're hired. I think it's really important. And the more effort I've put into this, the better results I've seen on our farm in terms of putting the time in to do employee reviews, like when they first start having better communication, having more of an onboarding checklist of things that need to happen. And then sitting down with them after one month and saying, hey, how are things going? What do you still need help with? And tying those two raises as well. So it's like incentivized, like, hey, you know, you're doing a really good job with this. I'd still like to see this change happen. We're looking for this. And then doing that again at three months. And then we do annual reviews with all of our employees. But I think just doing annual reviews, you know, that was a great place for our farm to start, but it's pretty ineffective when you only sit down once a year. So we really try to do monthly training now with our team and I say they're milker meetings because that's majority of our staff and then we do weekly manager meetings so just so much more communication in terms of helping coach our team. So Christine you referenced some like incentives or you know those benchmarks do you have a form that you're filling out and using when you're trying to benchmark did they qualify for that raise can you walk us through what you do for that? I don't have any formal forms, but we utilize our cameras specifically in the parlor and maternity area to review behavior. And if there's ever an issue, I'm going to use maternity for an example. If there's a DOA, we can go back and review what happened and use that as a learning opportunity. So utilizing different tools like that, and then just having that open communication, it's not all about me telling them what needs to change. I like to get their feedback too. how things are going. Are they happy? Are there, we can address things sooner than later. I think it prevents problems down the road and people from being unhappy and just quitting and right and then I think showing them the proof of either you did this good really good or this really bad because I think sometimes when we go to share a situation people get defensive if you're calling out something that they might have done wrong Michelle what should coaching look like for farm owners versus you know the milker on the farm and should coaching look different from a veteran employee to a new hire I think coaching is similar regardless of what role or position that somebody is in. And it might look different actually from one milker to another. So it really is an individualized process where it's that constant communication with the employee. It's a constant process. It's not a one-time event. I think that's one trap that a lot of managers or supervisors fall in is I'm going to do coaching today. Well, no, that's what you do constantly. And it's what you do. I like what Christine said about even starting from the interview process, a lot of the coaching is really just communicating what the expectations are. And I found in my experience, the more you do that through the interview process, you can sometimes screen out people who are not a good fit for your culture, a good fit for your core values, a good fit for the position itself. And so it starts there and it truly goes all the way through the end of somebody's employment with you. 
I think a lot of times, again, kind of the trap of of looking at coaching in as a one-time event or really as a tool to address poor performance, that's another trap that a lot of managers, and this, again, I think can be applied really in any industry, fall into. And so I think the best workforces are those who are reinforcing the positive behavior as well. I do think coaching needs to be intentional. It needs to be something that you give some thought to. It definitely, I think this applies on the farm. It applies in our cooperative. It applies in any industry I've ever worked in that managers are busy too. Leaders are busy too. And if you don't really set the time aside to be intentional about the communication you have with your employees, it's either not going to happen or it is going to be more reactive and not proactive. Now, I know you kind of mentioned, is it different for the veteran employee and the new employee? And again, I think coaching and counseling is individualized, but oftentimes the focus for a new employee is really just going to be communicating and helping them understand what your core values are. What is most important to you on your farm? What goals do you have in the position? What are the expectations of the specific job? What are the expectations just on your overall behavior and how you treat other people. Just constant communication about those types of things. And with a new employee, that is more of the focus. Now with a veteran employee, I think there's a lot of veteran employees who can kind of fall into just old habits, bad habits, and or kind of lose focus and get into a routine and forget kind of the bigger purpose or what they are there for and kind of get into a position where they're just comfortable and not really looking at what more they can do or what more responsibilities they can do. Can they train some of the new employees? Can they be a leader and are they leading by example? And those are some of the things that I think coaching kind of shifts to with a veteran employee to some of those ideas versus, again, with a newer employee, just helping them understand the expectations and and the culture of the position. Michelle, do you think, and this is more looking for that, like, walk me baby steps through this, uh, when it comes to that coaching or counseling, are you having a meeting with that person? Should it be at the end of their shift? Should it be a follow-up text message after their shift saying, you know, how was things? What does like that actual coaching experience look like, that environment? I think it looks like all of those things. And I think if you only reserve it for a meeting, that's not going to accomplish the purpose of coaching and counseling. But I think like with a lot of things, you need to hear a message multiple times to really kind of understand it and for to understand the importance of it. So it can be when you're passing that employee on the way to accomplish another task. It can be when you're greeting them in the morning and instead of just a hello, it might be bringing up, oh, here's what our purpose is today, or here's what we're trying to accomplish. Or remember, we talked about, I'd like this to be done a little different way than what you've done in the past. So it could be when you see them in the morning, it could be, like you said, a a text or a conversation at the end of the day on, here's how I saw today looking, um, either individually with that employee or as a team. Here's how I saw things um, happen today, and here are some things I'd like to see done differently tomorrow. 
and what ideas do you have? I liked uh, one of the things that Christine mentioned is coaching and counseling really isn't a one-way street either. You need that feedback from employees and sometimes they have better ideas than what you do. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. it is just that line of communication. It's not just dictating or telling them what needs to be done. It is really just opening up that line of communication, I would say. Right. And I think we forget, too, we're dealing with different generations. We're dealing with different cultures. So checking in, some maybe would prefer the text message communication versus the other one wants to have a meeting and talk to you face to face. Christine, from you know managing your employees, does coaching and counseling look different from that farm manager, or, you know, other herd managers on the farm to your milker? I personally prefer boots on the ground strategy. So if you can be out there and address issues head on, uh, like she said, you know, waiting for a meeting doesn't do anybody any good. If there's something that you're not happy with, the sooner you address it, the better for both you and the rest of the people on the team. Because usually when you have one employee who is not following the correct protocols, if you don't correct that, you're going to end up upsetting everyone else on that team if they're a solid team. And then you might end up losing like your best employee because they're just so frustrated with so-and-so not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So I always try to engage with that person personally. And we use WhatsApp on our farm. We have groups. We have the milking team. We have the management team. We have the calf team. So I can communicate changes in there on a daily basis if there's something that affects their job. But if it's a, I've learned the hard way, if it's a, somebody's not doing something properly, they prefer to be spoken one-on-one. And like you said, if you can utilize a camera system so I can say, okay, here's what I'm seeing and here's what I want to see done differently. And I'm going to continue to monitor this. And if it doesn't improve, fortunately, there's the door. Like, they either follow it or they don't, right? And we're very honest and upfront about it. And usually it's very effective, right? The people want to do a good job and they want to continue working for you if you provide a nice culture and work environment. And I've actually gotten a lot of trust. And I think people are happier and I have a better relationship with them for being open and honest and having more communication. And our employee morale has really improved too. Everybody likes to be part of a team that's highly successful and knows what's expected of them. And that's part of the group thing I've heard from our employees. They really like having our monthly meetings because then everybody hears the same message, right? If one person's not doing something correctly, you need to address that with them. When it comes to training and trying to grow the knowledge of your team so that they can do better at their job, I think it's important that everybody's on the same page. Christine, I'm curious. So when you've sent a message, whether there's a problem in the parlor and you, and it's not that you're addressing it towards someone, but that someone might know that they're the problem. Have you ever had the that as a situation and did that person then come to you or how was that handled if I think sometimes we just take things too personal when someone sends out a message for me I'd probably go to you and say hey Christine was that was that me that you were referencing or does it kind of just go under the radar and then you will contact that person but it could be a problem that you're having across all your employees too yeah exactly so in the In the scenario we had on our dairy, I sent a video of someone spraying water in the parlor when cows were present, which 
we have talked about many, many times being a big no-no because it can cause more problems. So it wasn't that I was just picking on that one person. It was like, I'm seeing this done routinely and this is something that is not allowed and I don't want to see it anymore. But that individual felt very like attacked personally. Mm -hmm. So they came to me and said, you know, in the future, if there's a problem with me, please talk to me one-on-one. So I learned that lesson and I think they did end up threatening to leave and I was able to retain her by just talking through it and saying, you know, I'm really sorry. That wasn't my intention and learning from that experience too. Right. Being vulnerable that even as a a partner in the farm, you can make mistakes too. So it's good that they can come to you and then address that. Also, Christine, I'm curious, how often are you checking in with your new hires versus people that have been at the farm for a while? (laughs) What's being done versus what should be done? It's good to check in with everybody every day, right? But I think it's even more important to check in with those new hires, but it's probably more difficult, right? Because as a manager, I have relationships with the people that have been here longer. So it's easier for me to go up and say, hey, how's it going? How are the kids? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you doing this weekend versus somebody I don't really know saying like, I really have to put in the effort to work on building that relationship. And it does, it does start with, you know, focusing on the job and then trying to work in some of the personal stuff too and learning more about them. But all of it takes effort. So I liked how Michelle said, you know, it's got to be a constant thing. Some days, if I'm like in a bad mood or something, I'll try to maybe avoid people because I don't want to project that attitude on the rest of my team. And I know people realize people have bad days too, right? Everybody has them, but just trying to be positive and working with everyone as much as possible, I think is really the key. Right. It forces you to go outside of your comfort zone too. Now, Michelle, we talked a little bit about some of those poor performance. How should we be handling poor performance versus bad behavior? Number one, I guess just kind of identifying what I view as the difference between the two. Um, Poor performance is just really not doing the job either correctly or well, where bad behavior might be, they might be doing the job great, but it's the way they're doing it that is not in line with what your expectations are or what your core values or culture is. And so Either one, I guess, um, one of the things I've learned just in my years of experience is always assume that they're trying. Always assume that it isn't intentional, whether, you know, so I think if you go into it with that perspective, it comes across way different to that employee when you're having those conversations than if you are, you know, they're not even trying, they're they're not doing the job right. If you go into it with that perspective, you're going to be more accusatory. And really, I think, you know, the end result is you've invested a lot of time into them. And we all know how tight the labor market is. So the end result is to make sure they understand what's expected and to encourage a change in behavior or to encourage compliance with your procedures or your policies. And so I I think you have to go into it with that perspective. And when I coach a lot of our leaders or our managers, that's really getting them to look at it differently has really been a huge difference in seeing better results with 
the coaching and, and counseling as well. So the poor performance, like I said, assume they're trying, but I think when you're in a situation where somebody is not doing the job well, or they're not doing it in the time frame that you expect, then I think, you know, the key is communicating what your expectations are. You know, I think a lot of it ends up being time. So they're taking twice as long to complete a task as what you would expect. And so I think number one, it is kind of identifying what those realistic expectations are. So when it's somebody who's new, they might take twice as long, but if they've been there three months, then, and you're not seeing any reduction in the time it's taking them, then there's an issue with that. You know, at three months, we would expect it to be done in this amount of time or, or whatever uh, the specific situation is. So it's clarifying what you expect and then reinforcing your desire to help them succeed and that you are there to support them. You are there to make sure that they have the tools that they need to be successful and share your ideas on what you might be able to do to help them, I guess, get to where you are expecting them to be, but ask them how you can help them. I think mm -hmm. that's been a key thing that has shifted that we've seen some more success in our organization is is getting feedback from the employee. Here is the expectation, here is where you're at, what are some ideas you have that can help us get you to that point? And, you know, I think that is one of the keys in addressing the poor performance. Right. It's almost like that psychology aspect of it, kind of throwing it back in their court. And especially then it doesn't feel like they're being targeted. So asking them for how they would fix the problem is a good point. I think even just going into a conversation about poor performance and bad behavior is just uncomfortable. It brings me to my FFA days when we used to get feedback instantly after we do a presentation. And one thing they would do is they'd call them gems and ops. Gems were things you did really good. Ops were opportunities to improve and actually our our boss or superior would say, which one do you want to hear first? And for me, I'm like, some days it was, tell me a gem because I might cry if you tell me an opportunity. How do you walk into the situation when both parties know we're going to talk about bad behavior instead of saying you did this wrong? What's the most professional way to handle that? So again, I think it comes back to the purpose of that conversation is to help them succeed. And when I have those conversations with any of my employees, that is how I start that conversation out. So the purpose of the conversation, the reason I'm bringing these things up is that I want you to succeed within our organization. So that changes the tone immediately. And so I, then I also think most managers and leaders, it, it's not comfortable, like you said, to have these types of conversations, but when they come to me with, you know, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. I talk through, you're not doing the employee any good by letting these things ride. They think they're meeting your expectations if you don't have this conversation with them. And that's not good for them. That's not good for our organization. It's not good for your team and it's not good for you. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the encouragement I've given our leaders and managers on taking that leap and getting over the uncomfortableness of how some of these conversations really can be. Really good advice. So now, Michelle, when there is a problem on the farm and it's been identified by the employee before the farm manager, what resources should be put in place for that employee to share that concern? 
I think if you're setting the tone of that open communication, then I think just making it clear to them if you do have issues, if you do have problems, what their steps are. So if it is a smaller farm and it's going directly to the owner, that's great. If it is a larger farm or a larger organization and there are appropriate steps to try to address uh, problems, then it's being clear what those steps are. And, you know, again, I think you want to be open to listening to what problems they're facing, but I think there's a fine line between listening to the, their problems and becoming the just listening to complaints. And so if somebody is just complaining and complaining and complaining, one of the steps that I like to take is, what would you like to see happen out of this? So just really asking them questions. What have you already done to solve this problem? So putting it back in their plate where you're not solving the problem for them, you're giving them to the tools that they need to solve the problem for themselves. Mm -hmm. So if an employee comes and says, you know, I'm just not getting along with this other employee. Well, what have you done to, to try to make this situation better? Nine times out of 10, it's usually, well, nothing. <laughs> so then in those cases, it's talking through, well, here are some things that I think that you can do that might make the situation better. So I think, again, really giving them the tools to solve the problems themselves. I have found as a manager, it's less and less that people come to you with problems then because you've given them the tools to solve the problems themselves. And hopefully freeing up some of your time. Christine, I'm curious from your perspective on the farm, if, if an employee is having a problem with you, you know, how do they share that concern? Do they go directly to you or do you have some sort of protocol in place where they can share that concern? I try to have an open door policy and I'm not always at the farm with having young kids and stuff, a young baby at home. So people know they can always contact me and it's phone, email, tech. A lot of the time we utilize WhatsApp that just works better for majority of our employees, but having open communication, uh, hopefully they don't have problems with me, but that does happen, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of times, like Michelle said, it's complaints and I should be taking notes because I'm learning things from you too. Um, how to phrase it so that I always try to make sure it's an open communication so that people feel comfortable when we have conversations about poor performance. It can make the whole situation can be very challenging. But I think one thing I've learned is just making sure you're being open up front. And it's good feedback for you because we know that as humans, we're not perfect people. So we need to have our own feedback. And and actually, maybe it's even scheduling a time. And maybe, Michelle, you might have feedback on this. Scheduling a time for employees to give feedback from us. It's almost like an audit on how the farm's going. So having an HR person or another consultant come in to analyze and then review. Have you seen that before, Michelle? Yes. I think there's a number of ways that you can solicit that feedback. And I think it depends on what your what your culture is and how open your communication is and how really how much your employees trust you. Can they come to you with something they don't agree with and still trust that they have their job and still trust that that you will listen and respect them for what their opinion is and that you can move on in a positive way. I think if you have that culture, then I see less of a need to bring somebody from the from the outside 
in because they're probably already freely sharing everything they think about what you're doing right and wrong. And so again, I think I, I like what you said earlier, Christine, about just humbling yourself and admitting that you can be wrong or that you may handle a situation incorrectly or that you have bad days just like everybody else. And the more that you can be honest and just be real about some of those things, the more open and trusting employees are going to be with sharing about maybe a mistake that they made. Instead of hiding the mistake, if you have that open communication in that culture, they're going to tell you about the mistake and what they learned from it and how, what they're going to do different. And so that's what we would all love to happen. You know, that's an ideal world that I know probably doesn't exist very many places, but I think that's a goal that we that we can that we can have. But I would say if you are in a situation where you feel like employees don't feel open to coming to me, employees aren't sharing with me, you know, things that they they're not disagreeing with me on anything. They're not providing feedback and helping we can do things different. I do think that that's a, a great example of a time where it would be appropriate to bring somebody in from the outside, a consultant. Um, you can do anonymous surveys and Again, if you have three employees, it's kind of hard to be anonymous, but if you have 15, you can. And so you can do anonymous surveys that you're asking questions about what they would like to see differently from you as a leader or you as an owner or you as a supervisor. And you can ask questions about different ways that they think you could do things on the farm. And I think the feedback you get from those, don't do that unless you plan to take action. I guess that would be my one caution because I have been places that we've asked employees that and there wasn't support from leadership to do anything about it. Well, had the opposite effect from what we were trying to accomplish. So, but then I think um, if you get that feedback, maybe your employees say you're really unapproachable when you're stressed out or when we're really busy or, you know, something like that. Then I think you can say, hey, you guys told me this and I'm really reflecting and taking ownership of that. And you have my commitment that I'm going to take steps to improve and that I want to do better. And so I appreciate knowing that so I know how I can do better for you. Really great insight. This, we're going to be wrapping up our first part of Dairy Stream. We've been talking about the insights of coaching and counseling. Last question now, let's focus in on some of those tools and resources. Michelle, I'll have you share first, what are some tools and resources available to help support farms or just support HR in general with coaching and counseling? So one of the tools that I use and is available for any employer is Society for Human Resource Management. It's a website. You can pay for membership. In some organizations that I've been with that we've paid for membership, they even have people you can reach out to with specific questions or uh, things like that. But there's uh, there's definitely articles. There are a lot of resources out there that are available to people there. So that's Society for Human Resource Management or SHRM for short. I've tapped into and in my past some comprehensive insurance carriers have HR resources so that would be something perhaps to check into. I know there are some cooperatives that provide HR consulting and and resources to to farms so that might be something to look into and whether the cooperatives that you're members of uh, might provide those types of resources as well. And Christine uh, what are some tools and resources that you guys use on the farm? Like many other family dairy farms, you first learn how to take care of animals 
And then sometime when your herd grows, you somehow have to realize or learn how to manage people. And it's not in everybody's wheelhouse, right? So I know initially when I came back to the dairy, I felt like we were really lacking in that area. So we actually hired a professional come in and help run training meetings for our milking team. And I learned a lot from that individual and have you know taken a lot of that upon myself now to lead our own monthly meetings. But there are you know, different professionals out there that focus on that kind of thing. And then like Michelle mentioned, if you ask any of the vendors you do business with, if they have support in different areas, a lot of times maybe your milk plant or your co-op will have somebody who is Spanish speaking who can translate for meetings or help translate documents from English to Spanish so that you can have uh, things people can read on farm about different things. I know initially we utilized Merck Dairy Care 365 for a lot of the training videos. I know that's not in necessarily coaching or counseling, but that's a great tool to help train new employees on your farm. And there's a lot of different videos and then questionnaires to follow it up to make sure people are actually paying attention and watching the video. So coaching and counseling has been our topic in this first part of Dairy Stream. Our guests are Michelle Gubzer. She's the chief talent officer at the ProVision Partner Cooperative. Also Christine Bender, the herd manager and partner at McFarlandale Dairy. In part two, we're going to be jumping into some of those scenarios that you've probably experienced on your farm and getting advice from Michelle of how to handle it. And then Christine and how she's handled it on her dairy farm. So make sure you stay with us. We will be right back with Dairy Stream after we hear from our sponsor. Syngenta Crop Protection and Syngenta Seeds are part of Syngenta Group, one of the world's leading agriculture companies. Our ambition is to help safely feed the world while taking care of the planet. We aim to improve the sustainability, quality, and safety of agriculture with world-class science and innovative crop solutions. Our technologies enable millions of farmers around the world to make better use of limited agricultural resources. Learn more at Syngenta.com. Welcome back to Dairy Stream. It is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. Every business runs into problems with their employees. For an example, an employee showing up late for work, calling in sick last minute, or continuously breaking something. What do you do? We are going to dive into these situations that have probably happened on your farm. We're going to start with sharing the situation. I'm going to have Michelle give that textbook answer of how should we handle the situation. And then Christine share a little bit more of that experience and what she might have been through. So with the first situation, an employee continues to be that problem employee and continues to have conflict with multiple other employees. Michelle, what should you do? I think one of the first things you do is have a conversation with that employee. Try to really get to the bottom of what is causing some of those issues or the problems that they're having with other employees. And so I also think you need to actually observe what specific behavior that might be the problem. And so is it treating people disrespectful? Is it um, talking down to other employees? Like what is causing the issues or problems? So if it's something specific 
directly that that employee is doing to cause the problem. It's addressing that specifically with that employee. Now, if it is comes down to kind of in your investigation and what you've learned, if it comes down to just employees not understanding each other or understanding a different way of getting the work done, then I think it is really implementing some kind of teamwork type of exercises that helps you that helps you to encourage employees to look at things from somebody else's perspective, to try to understand a different way of communicating or a different way of doing work. Some people are really driven by the analytical side of things. Some are driven by that social interaction. And so it's really kind of figuring out what the issues are in the team and trying to address those. And Christine, from your perspective? Yeah, so this one makes me laugh a little bit because whenever this happens, somebody's complaining about so-and-so and and then another person complains about that person. It always makes me immediately want to tear my hair out and be like, why can't you all just get along? I don't understand why it's so hard, right? But um, I guess in my experience, like Michelle said, you kind of have to do your own little investigation. You know, he said versus she said kind of situation. You need to really figure out, well, who's telling the truth? Maybe they're each a little bit right, but then not being completely honest. When we do have one person, I'm going to say like a bad apple scenario where everybody's complaining about that person or they're starting all the drama, we tend to let those people go just because it causes a lot more headache for me as the manager. And, you know, it also increases tension amongst the team. And when people aren't getting along and people are unhappy, it's known that they don't do their job as well. And we want them to do the best job that they can. So sometimes it's hard to, you know, let somebody go for doing that. But ultimately, that's kind of where things have happened on the farm. I do like having female milkers, but they also come with more drama is what I've learned through experiences as well. And I've had phone calls where they're all crying in the parlor and uh, scenarios like that. And those are, you know, obviously when emotions get involved, it becomes a little trickier. So I think having a conversation about, well, what is really going on and trying to get to the root of the problem. And if you can't solve it, we have separated people. I don't know that that really solves the problem, but it may (laughs) make it work for a while. I I don't have great answers. I can just tell you my experiences, right? (laughs) Right. And we appreciate you being open and honest about that because we know it's not just your farm. There's a lot of other farms and businesses that deal with those same situations Next scenario, an employee shows up late multiple times. Michelle, what should what should you do? Number one thing is don't wait to address it. The longer you wait to address it, the more you're sending the message by not taking action that it's acceptable. And the longer they think that that's acceptable, the harder they're going to take it when you do uh, choose to address it as well. And so the other thing is it sends an, a message, a negative message to the rest of the employees who are there on time. And they can become very bitter and unhappy in their jobs if you're not taking the steps to address somebody who shows up late. One way to address it is really just to emphasize the importance of being on time and what happens when you're not on time. It puts extra workload on other people. It makes it so that we can't get as much accomplished in a day. Everybody else has to wait around until you get here. Whatever the consequences are for them showing up late, sometimes it is good for to just share 
with them, here's how that impacts other people. And that can be something that might influence change. I think an- another thing to do, if somebody's consistently showing up late and you have addressed it and you have discussed it, I- again, I think it's a lot of these situations, if you can flip it on the employee and ask the question, what's happening in your life that's causing you to be late? What is going on? And can you help that employee put some other things in place? I've had young adults who, you know, my alarm didn't go off or I didn't hear my alarm. Well, then I talk about how in college I needed three alarms to get up in time for my class. (laughs) And so I think, you know, sometimes it's something super simple that you can give them some tools to put in place, especially if it's a younger adult who hasn't really like had a chance to put those things in practice and maybe doesn't understand the importance or the impact of, of showing up late. Now, Again, if you've addressed it, you've talked through some of the ways to fix it and they're making no effort or it it isn't changing, it certainly would likely be something that you need to terminate an employee for as well. So, And Christine, from your perspective and experience? Bell hit the nail on the head on this one, I think. We've had conversations where you're saying, okay, you've been late multiple times and they say that they're not late. So then... I've printed out the copy of our time clock punches, right? And said, okay, I'm going to go through and highlight all the days you are late. So you're late (laughs) two thirds of the time, right? And like you said, ask, well, is there a reason you're late? Like, is there something in your personal life that's affecting why you're not coming to work on time? And then depending on their position, because some of our positions are a little bit flexible on time, but I'm going to use milkers as this is usually something that I have to address with the milkers because it's very important that people are on time. So we keep shifts on time and how that affects others. uh, Explaining that as well, I think helps. And if they can't be on time after you've gone through all those things, termination is usually the outcome. Now an employee calls in sick last minute and really isn't sick. What do you do, Michelle? I would say the first thing, and and again, this comes from my experience counseling with a, a lot of supervisors, is don't make the assumption that they're not sick, like just because they didn't sound sick or <laughs> just because, you know, they looked fine the day before. I've had supervisors say, I know they're not sick. And I'm like, well, how do you know they're not sick? <laughs> and so I think there are some illnesses and some sicknesses that you don't sound stuffy or you don't. So again, I think we have to try to give employees the benefit of the doubt. However, I've also experienced situations where somebody has called in sick and then you get uh, information and evidence that they've been at a party or that they went on a vacation with their family or, you know, something like that. And that's clearly a situation where they've been dishonest. And in my opinion, you know, if on your farm, if honesty is one of your core core values and somebody has lied to your face, in most cases, I think Um, my recommendation would be that that would result in termination. Now, if it's a longer term employee and you feel like I want to give this person one more chance, that would be the conversation that I would have with that employee is that, look, you called in sick. You were not honest with me. That does not align with who we are and what we expect of all of our employees. And if this happens again, you won't be employed here. And so to me, dishonesty is one of the highest level of of expectations that we should have of our employees. And Christine, from your experience? 
like you said, we try to assume everyone is sick, but the person that does our milking schedule, he'll commonly tell me so-and-so wanted Friday night off because they got to go to a party and then they called in sick and I have pictures of them at the party or so-and-so saw them there. And so then we need to address that situation, right? And like you said, I I highly, and one of our values is we, we highly value time off and vacation because I think it's healthy. Mm-hmm. So... We want to try to allow people to take that time. We need proper notice in advance to make sure that we can get people to cover in those situations. So that's usually the discussion we'll have. And usually people are pretty good about it then. Now we have an employee that continuously breaks things. What should we do, Michelle? It starts from bringing it to their attention, making sure that they're aware that that's happening. Again, I think as many times as you can share the impact to the farm or the impact to the organization of their carelessness or of what they've broken, um, whether it is the cost associated or whether it's the impact that it has on other things you're able to do or having to halt production or, you know, all of those things, I think the more that an employee can understand that their actions or their behavior impacts really the overall goals of the organization or the farm or the business, um, I think that that can oftentimes uh, motivate change in behavior. But then also get to the bottom of it. Ask how you can help. Again, this kind of goes back to some of the things we've talked about before, but do they need more training? Are they being pressured to complete tasks too quickly or, and maybe not not even by their supervisor, but that's their own thing that they have in their head that they need to get things done so fast where you're okay with them taking the more time to be sure that it's done correctly and that they're not causing damage or breaking things and things like that. So like, do they know the proper way to do the work? Now, if all of those things are yes, then again, I think you need to address it just like you would poor performance, give them chances to improve. Once you've given them a chance to improve, give them the tools that you can to help them succeed. If that doesn't work, then perhaps the job isn't the right fit for them or your farm isn't the right fit for them. And Christine? This is something we talk about in the interview process because whenever we hire a new person, it's like everybody backs into a gate or does this or that. And so we try to head it off by saying, you need to go very slowly when you're learning because accidents happen, but they can be prevented if you're careful. So we just try to be open on that front. And then the other frustration on a dairy farm, and I'm sure we're not the only ones, is nobody ever breaks anything. but yet things get broken so taking responsibility for breaking things like I I tell people I'll be the first to admit that I'm not perfect and sometimes I'm probably more careless than the average person just because it's my stuff right I'm the owner so whatever I'm in a hurry I have a lot of things to do but just having the accountability that if you break something we want to know about it because the maintenance guys get mad when things are broken and so does everybody else and it can cause issues on the dairy if there's a broken gate and then cows get mixed up or whatever it is you know there's always different scenarios but just making sure that people are responsible and having those conversations 
conversations and addressing issues, I think, is important. And then we had one employee that backed into an overhead door three times, and that was the limit, right? Because that's very expensive. (laughs) (laughs) And the lead time on ordering that is a long time out, too, now. (laughs) So now, even with coaching and counseling sessions happening, an employee still isn't making progress. What do you do, Michelle? I would say if they're still not making progress, if it's strictly performance related and you see and observe that they're making every effort that they can to do their job and they're just not physically capable of doing that, I would say if there's another job in the organization or on the farm that would be a good fit for their skills, that that can be an option. However, that's few and far between when that is an appropriate, I guess, response to continued coaching and counseling with really no success and change in behavior. So in most situations, I number one, um, I'm in HR, so I would be failing if I don't say document, document, document. But <laughs> I would say really make sure that, especially if you're coaching and counseling, it, bad behavior or poor performance, make sure you're documenting those conversations. You want to feel like you did everything that you could to help the employee succeed before you come to the step of this is not working out on our farm. We're going to need to let you go. Now, that's a much easier conversation to have if you feel like you've taken every step that you could, if you've given that employee the benefit of the doubt, you've provided them resources, you've been clear to them what was expected and what would happen if they didn't meet those expectations, that ends up being a pretty easy conversation then if they haven't met those expectations. And then again, documenting those just because you want to make sure that if you need to provide it for unemployment or if you need to provide it for a lawsuit or anything like that, that you have documented that you've done what you can to help that person succeed. But again, there are times that termination needs to result from that. So putting that off does not help your team. It does not help um, does not help your business and it really doesn't help that employee having them in a position that they're not going to be successful in. So termination may be the result that's needed. Christine, anything to add on that situation? I guess up front, trying to manage expectations. Michelle touched on this a little bit before, but realize when you hire someone, they're not going to learn everything in a day. They're not going to learn everything in a week. So giving people the chance to learn and the opportunity to learn and then always giving them the benefit of the doubt. So if they're not doing something correctly, I'll personally try to, well, I'll just assume they don't know any better and educate them. So we educate, 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 and then put the ball in their court. So then they have the power of, are they going to do it properly or not? And if not, you know, we'll have to move on. Two more questions as we wrap up this episode of Dairy Stream. A lot of families are multi-generational. You're dealing with your parents or family members. How should a farm deal with a family situation? Um, I mean, I gave this example, but I kind of want to make it more broad. There's a problem in the family. How should a farm be dealing with that situation? Christine might be able to give even more input on this, but, um, you know, kind of not being on a farm outside looking in, I would say open communication is key and really identifying as a family, as the a, a group of owners, identifying 
what's the purpose? What's the long-term goals? Because then even if we differ on how to get there, we can all unify on what we want to accomplish. And so I think communication is key. Like I said, Christine might be able to give more information on day-to-day how that actually looks, but uh, I, I think you have to be open even if it, if you feel like it might hurt people's feelings, holding that in and not being open is just going to make things worse. Right. I mean, Christine, we know you're, you farm with your dad. Maybe there's something you can share about um, when there's a family situation involved. I have a little bit of an interesting perspective because before coming back to the family farm, I did dairy nutrition work for about three and a half years. And I remember one phone conversation during a work day with my mom, I called her and I said, I never want this to happen on our farm, right? Because the family, it was like a total family feud. And I'm like, if they would just talk to each other, like it'd be fine, but they're not talking. And like you said, Michelle, communication, communication, communication. Before I even came back into our family business, we had sat down with a mediator just to make sure everybody had their voice heard because I think it's very common on family farms that maybe the older generation is more outspoken. The next generation is afraid to say what they think, but both generations have so much value. You know, the older generation tends to have all the experience under their belt. They can teach the next generation so much. The next generation tends to have more ideas and technology and all these different things. So on our dairy, we have weekly partner meetings. They're usually on the weekend because my husband works off the farm. So whenever you can find time to meet, you know, make sure that those meetings happen and we try to schedule them out a week in advance so that they, so that we make sure they happen because they are that important and they vary from one to three hours, depending on how many things we have going on or what, what all of the business needs to be discussed. Right. Really good insight. Final question for, for both of you. With all of these situations, you've handled ex-employee directly causing the issue, but how should you address it to the whole group so that the problem doesn't continue happening? Michelle, from your perspective? So it's this balancing act because I, I, I do believe that in most cases, when you're dealing with an employee with an issue, as much as you can keep that between you and that employee and not necessarily bring the entire group into it, that's preferred or that's a benefit. However, if in dealing with an issue with an employee, you're finding none of these employees really, none of our employees really know what we expect in regards to, and then fill in the blank. Then I think you up your training and up your communication and make sure that all employees truly understand what's expected in that situation. And so, you know, employees will do their own work in telling all of the other employees about what's going on in their conversations with you, which, you know, there've been points in my career that I'm like, oh, that needs to stop. But I think I've come to the realization that in, in most situations, that's not a bad thing because you're other employees know that the situation is being addressed and that that they're being held accountable really for their actions. And if other employees want to talk about, oh, so I heard so-and-so and you had this conversation, that's between me and so-and-so. And so, you know, I think as much as you can keep that separate, you do that. But if you've identified some performance issues that are happening with one employee, that there's things across the board that you're not being clear on expectations on, then I think as a group, you do that too. But I know, Christine, like you brought up that you, you want to be careful of not calling an employee out 
in front of other people. But you also want to, it's again, it's a fine line. You want to use examples of people not being successful or not making the right choices or performing a specific task incorrectly as a learning experience for others too. So it's trying to find ways to do that without pointing out that so-and-so did this wrong and we need to learn from it. And Christine, from, from your experiences? Whenever someone leaves, I feel it's actually helpful if I can convey to the rest of our team why they're no longer with us. And unfortunately, we just lost two employees within the last week. And we haven't had turnover for quite a while, but I had one that was let go for poor behavior and then another that gave her two weeks notice and just has some family stuff that she needs to attend to and left on good terms and plans to come back in the future. So I always view that as success, right? So I think it is important to address it with the whole group because otherwise sometimes people make up their own stories that so-and-so was fired for whatever, and that's not the truth. And I don't want rumors or bad information to be spread amongst our team. Um, and I know just in general, if we let somebody go for poor performance, I have much better luck having the rest of our team pick up the slack versus picking up the slack because somebody's a poor performer and mm. having them continue on our team. Right. We've had really good experiences and insight from Michelle Gubsner. She's the chief talent officer at ProVisions Partner Cooperative. And also with us is Christine Bender, herd manager and partner of McFarlandale Dairy. This is a part of the Workable Workforce series. We'll have our final episode, which is going to focus in on HR management and legal aspects that I highly recommend you check out. The Dairy Stream podcast is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association, Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Joanna Guza. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, email us at podcast at dairyforward.com.